0: Inherently Happy, Episode 75, Happy Fear Yowza-ha-ha, my happy friends. Prithee, tell me, what is it that scares you most? Me, I used to be afraid of everything. Not at first. Things were great at first. Being a cute kid, I actually had people fighting over me. Pretty great but growth spurts can be ruinous and can take the shine right off the old golden apple. And then anxiety, nervousness, and panic can take hold. And clumsy accidents, injuries, and victimizations can crash the already busted up party, making one a target and an object of ridicule and disgust, who still held on to the notion of once being golden and couldn't understand what, how, or why that shining dawn went away So people became something to avoid, lest they mock or bully me. Certain foods became too risky, as they might adversely react to a nervous stomach and lead to further weakness. Animals that might attack or sense fear were shunned. But one still must go out into the world, mustn't one. Even a nauseating, heart-palpitating, knee-knocking one. I was also afraid of anyone seeing my fear, and so I walked alone. I was afraid of former friends who could no longer be seen associating with the likes of me if they wanted to avoid becoming targets themselves. Even other victims wouldn't band together with me, or they might get noticed more than they already were. Now people fought to avoid or bully me. Line forms on the left. And I was only eight. I hadn't yet discovered the fact that fear could be used to my advantage, in small doses, when danger is at hand and adrenaline can help boost alert responsiveness. But not then, no. I was just afraid of everything. It was debilitating. A dog bit me on the neck, requiring stitches, so I became deathly afraid of dogs. I was very pale and sunburned easily, so I became afraid of the sun. Spicy foods, dairy, peanut butter, and shellfish made my eyes water, produced phlegm, made my nose run, and made me gag, so I was afraid of all but the blandest of foods." I developed motion sickness, so I feared long car trips, bus rides, boats, and planes. I lived down the street from a cemetery, so I feared ghosts, zombies, vampires, and a host of other ghoulish creatures. I feared dying, death, and the dark. I was never formally taught to swim, and so I feared water. I feared heights, and pain, and loud noises, and storms, and icy patches on the sidewalk that could knock me on my ass. I feared not being close to a bathroom when I had to throw up or any of a host of other horrendous gastrointestinal distresses. I feared germs and bugs and bees and pricker bushes and needles and knives, scrapes and bruises and spiders and blood and broken glass, jagged rocks, hot stoves, frostbite, and anything acidic that might get in my eyes. I hadn't learned how to ride a bike or tell time on an analog clock, so I feared them too. It was a terrible way to live. The revulsion I saw in everyone's faces where once I had seen joy. was too much, and so I avoided everyone and everything. Pure aversion. Pure anxiety. Pure fear. I became highly superstitious, hoping anything would lessen the worry. I was afraid of the God that my parents and their church told me about. I was afraid of my family. My dad was mad. My big brother was violent. My big sister was cruel, and my mom was judgmental. I didn't step on sidewalk cracks, through fear of breaking my mother's back and going to jail or hell for it, because yes, you better believe I was afraid of jail and hell. I was afraid of life, and living in fear. I was also afraid of fear itself, and the future fears I knew not yet of. I was a nervous wreck, and I was just a little kid. I tried to forget, but I thought about all of it, all the time, nightmares and day quakes that shook me to my core. How was I still alive? Why? I threw myself into religion and followed the rules to the letter. If killing was bad, then wasn't I a sinner for eating salad? Or for using soap against bacteria? If disobeying my parents was bad, then why did none of their advice ever help? Mom said I should try to feel bad for the bullies, who probably had tough lives. And that I should laugh their scorn off taking away its power. Both of those backfired spectacularly. Not your fault, Mom, Dad. Mom, you were a social worker, and that probably was very good advice in most cases. Dad, you were an only child. I don't know how that helped. But I had a community of bullies who saw me as an icon, a trophy. It became a game to see if they could make me puke up my lunch. They would come to the table where I sat all by myself in the school cafeteria and start making a pile of their leftovers, adding vanilla pudding atop spaghetti with meat sauce before drenching it all with chocolate milk. It never failed, so I stopped eating lunch and grew weaker still. I spent a lot of time alone in the woods and noticed that I was rarely bothered while in there. There were supposed to be high school kids with rifles in there and Bigfoots and wild animals and wasps that could sew your eyelids shut. Raccoons and rabies, crying babies, I didn't know. I saw the big kids with rifles once, but I walked right past them and they didn't say a word. Perhaps I was too stupid to be afraid of them, and they were too amazed at me to bother. Or maybe not all legends are true, and they don't go around hunting trespassers. They were my woods, after all. Maybe I could live there. But then others started to encroach upon my well-worn paths. So I went deeper into the brambles, shredding my clothes and skin, but on a mission of solitude, so I noticed it not. I trudged through muddy streams and over fallen logs, slippery with moist moss. I emerged covered in leaves and dirt and scratches, but alive and free. I hosed off before sneaking in the back door and took a shower before I was found out. "'Bullies took to waiting for me after school "'because I was getting so good at avoiding them during the day "'by hiding in the library and other such places they never went. "'I had to leave the building at a sprint to catch them unawares "'and make it to the woods before them, "'but still they followed, right to the church parking lot, "'which provided no cover. "'So I ran to the cemetery across the street, "'hoping to lose them among the headstones, "'but much to my surprise, they didn't follow me in. "'It was getting dark.' And they were afraid. Why wasn't I? Because the dead were the lesser imminent threat. So I started to appreciate the dead. Even tried talking to them, but they never replied. The place was deserted, and I was at peace. I started spending a lot more time there. Never saw a zombie, a vampire, or even a Frankensteinian monster. No werewolves, harpies, banshees, or chupacabras. Nary a specter or even a will-o'-the-wisp. I had accidentally stumbled upon the first rule of overcoming one's fears. Facing them. Avoiding them keeps them alive and well, you see. But facing them is the first step towards conquest of them. So I imagined that I was friends with the dead. As I walked through the cemetery, my cemetery, I would address the unseen corpses interred and buried there, "'by the names on their gravestones. evening, Spence! "'How do, Miriam! "'And what's up, Ruth?' "'They never said a thing, "'but they became a great comfort to me nonetheless. "'I asked for advice "'and imagined their wisdom was something profound "'and deceptively simple. "'I even imagined chatting with Death herself, "'who I thought of as a girl my age "'who was very much into Halloween, "'but in a cute and not gory way.' Horror films still grossed me out back then. But death, dying, the dark, and loneliness no longer did. Because I I, I didn't see them as mysterious terrors anymore, but as familiar friends that I could count on to provide me with some tranquility in my too-hectic world. The cemetery became a regular destination and not just an escape. In my golden days... I had played hide-and-seek there with all the neighborhood kids, but only when it was nice out and only during the day. And that was before the great fall, when all was lost and glorious gold had turned to lifeless lead. I started to get mad at the injustice of it all. I didn't just want to face my fears, but fight them as well. They were stealing my health and well-being, my balance and growth, my connection to happy though I didn't have any more than a mere concept of it back then. I just knew I was sick of being sick of everything. So when I was ten, I decided to ask my parents, nay, demand, that I be allowed to switch schools so that I could start all over and reinvent myself. The only option was a K-9 private school, because I was still only in the fifth grade. I dressed up and went for an interview with the headmaster and was pleased with how well it went. I took their aptitude test and was summarily rejected. Oh, right. My fear of confusing schoolwork and smart people like my dad. Well, darn it. I became determined to improve that one. And so I started actually reading the assignments. I even started reading ahead. It's not like I had a social life. Until soon, I was far enough ahead that school seemed slow. So I read things for pleasure. I grew curious. I would read encyclopedias and dictionaries for fun. And I looked up the answers to the questions I had. Like, how does one approach a dog? It turns out there are certain helpful techniques. Dogs are alert and on guard, so if you approach slowly and let them sniff the back of your hand, then they may trust you and even try to befriend you. And those that only see you as a threat will usually tell you with growls and barking. Listening to people instead of arguing or ignoring them, helps you pay attention and keep track of what's going on so you are better prepared for the changing paths of discourse. Sitting on a roof and taking in the sun for brief stints can help with heights and sunlights. Talking about fears helps too. Retelling the tale of the dog who jumped up and chomped the air too close to my neck, gouging me with a canine canine, helped to turn it into a story and no longer a dread fangoria. I ate lettuce with abandon, enjoyed dairy, and even tried shellfish. Just so long as I didn't go around killing people, it was all right. When the gross-out bullies came around to my lunch table, I simply got up and walked away. The following year, I applied to a private middle school and got in. That first year was miraculous. My grades were good, I made friends, and was still able to fight my fears. But then, in eighth grade, some of the grade school bullies came back. But I wasn't going to let them have a reason to pick on me. So I tackled the biggest fear I had left, stage fright. I took an acting class, went to acting camp, acted in plays and made videos. I attacked all the phobias that once attacked me. But it's an ongoing battle requiring diligence and presence of mind. Life is never still. So I must constantly fight for balance and growth, for truth and understanding, forgiveness, mindfulness, courage, and strength. If I only think of myself, or only believe in how things appear to be, then I'll never go deep, nor expand my outlook, and will always be trapped in fear by my own willful ignorance, in search of a deceitful bliss that has neither balance nor growth. Happy knows, that fear has its place at the table, but the table is round, and fear's seat is nothing special. Ha ha. Yes.